0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to TheDestralFrods.com, comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. I'm today, we have Birdie. Hi. No nigga this week, because I'm an idiot. Which is a shame, because, boy, hootie, did something happened.
1: Yeah, we need our biggest Tom King defender.
0: Yes. So, Batman 50 the The wedding <laughs> issue, the big thing that Tom King's entire run is leading up to,
1: and it pulled a Joe Casada
0: motherfucker.
1: Like, like am I, I wrong in
0: making that making that comparison? Not really, no. So, I guess spoiler is going ahead if you haven't read it yet. Um, it's I think it's been out for like a couple weeks now.
1: Yeah, because we were supposed to talk about this last time when we didn't have a show, and that was two weeks ago. So.
0: Yeah, so it's been out for a couple weeks now, but so we can get deep enough into it. But so I knew, I knew it would end like this, or at the very least, I knew that this relationship and this whole storyline would eventually. I land knew it this. wouldn't last. I didn't, I didn't expect Tom King to punk out this fucking early. Yeah. Like fuck my ass, running. This I, is I a nightmare. I hate this. I didn't
1: expect. Yeah, okay, so I don't hate, it's not as, (sighs) okay, I don't know how you feel about the issue as a whole beyond what it establishes, but for me personally, the the issue, the problem with the issue as a whole is that Tom King's writing, for the most part, is fine, but it's a lot of stock pages.
0: Yeah, so I guess Brandon hasn't read it yet, um, the issue is essentially split into two halves, basically. Well, okay, two, three-thirds. There is the actual story that's happening, which has the standard Tom King writing, Tom King delivery and spacing of the dialogue, and the art that we've been with for the last few issues. Yeah. Then there is the other two-thirds of the book, which is which are letters written, one by Batman to Catwoman, one by Catwoman to Batman, and that is then put in little, like, inner monologue boxes over essentially professional fan art.
1: Yeah, well, some of it's not even professional fan art. Some of it is famous panels from previous Batman and Catwoman books, like I, the the Hush thing for one.
0: Yeah, just it is. It is just hey, look at Batwoman and look at Batman and Catwoman. Look at them. We paid an artist a lot of money for this, and it's all just single page, entire page spreads with just these little dialogue boxes spread around it. And I can't help
1: but feel that that's to hide the fact that, narratively, Tom King's not working with a hell of a lot for an anniversary issue. Particularly one that's actually, like, several pages longer than a normal issue.
0: Yeah, and you'd think with this being the culmination, he would have some more to work with.
1: Yeah. I'm hoping this is DC's decision and not his. Yeah, this feels like editorial. Because like even worse than Spider-Man, Batman has the onus of he can't possibly be in a stable, lasting relationship because teenage boys would rebel.
0: Yeah, like that has. I'm I'm leaning I'm leaning more and more towards this was an editorial decision because that's the reason why the guys who wrote Batwoman got fired. Yeah, like like when they like they did that and then fucking the writer for that, um, I think it was JH Williams the third. Yes, yeah. Yeah, he and Gail Simone both came out and essentially said, DC is not against gay marriage. They're just against any marriage involving the Bat family. Yeah. So I, and I
1: coped. It, it, I, I moved towards an editorial decision just because, not just because of the decision itself, but the rationale for it in story yeah. is such a lame last minute what that's it Afterthought kind of thing. So we've been kind of dancing around it for a little bit. So okay. So a uh, question: Do you know who this character is? Because I've read enough Catwoman comics that I I know who she is, but it took me, it. I had I'd actually forgotten.
0: Uh, yeah, I know who she is. She's okay. fucking hooker friend, right?
1: Yeah, she took over for. Cat to be as for Selena as Catwoman for a while in the mid 2000s during her book that was started by Darwin Cook. Which, if you want a good Catwoman book, read
0: that. But yeah, uh, so so the book is the wedding day. They are getting ready. Um, instead of having a big fucking ceremony, it's going to be like a small little thing, not inviting Clark or anybody else that they had invited previously. Yeah. It's just because they
1: already had the situation of the Joker crashing their wedding.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it was Bruce and Selena, Alfred. Selina's friend, and then a just and then a judge who is so drunk off his ass he won't remember he won't remember marrying them. You know, yeah. solid plan from the Batman.
2: Yeah, and
0: they decide to do it on a rooftop. So they go about their separate ways for a little bit, uh, just just you know getting prepared. Bruce is getting all did up. Alfred is all fucking on the verge of tears because all oh, my little boy's grown up. Looks just like his dad.
1: They have the the one good panel I liked is the uh, opposite panel thing where they have Selena and Bruce walking towards each other in the hallway and they do this with like opposite progressive panels. Yeah, that was really fucking cool. That was the closest thing to anything interesting artistically. Everything else seems kind of like filler, honestly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so, and so that, and actually that whole, that little panel right there is kind of the entirety of the book. It's just mirrored. Just, yeah, Batwoman doing something. You have, you have, I keep saying Batwoman.
1: Yeah, because you're also mad about that also. Yeah.
0: You see Catwoman doing something, and then you go to Batman, who is doing the same thing, kind of same panel progression, just mirrored. And there's a similar kind of thing with their notes, because, because they're both talking about, like, hey, yeah, we met where we met, they both have their own ideas, and then they say, yeah, I thought you were this, but then I saw your eyes. And they go into more detail with Batman going, oh, yeah, your fucking eyes are, Dope as hell. Let's fuck. And Catwoman going. Yo, your eyes are fucking depressing, dude. And eventually coming to the realization of Batman saying. I will love you forever and we'll we'll be fucking. Let's do this. It's going to be fucking dope as hell. And Catwoman going. You're too popular as a damaged person to be happy. So I'm going to leave. And then she just fucks off into her own book.
2: Yeah.
1: Be- beyond the, the, ignoring the fact that she's fought the Joker, Talia al Ghul, time travel.
0: So much shit.
1: For this relationship. They have
0: gone <laughs> through so much fucking shit and then it's going to be on the day they get married because her friend goes, hey, aren't you a hero now? And then she's like, well, I'ma just fucking bounce.
1: Well, I thought the, re- the, what she said, what um, she said that set her off was was like he's not what I expected I expected him to be sad
0: <laughs> it's fucking something apparently booster gold is what kind of got things rolling
1: right this, there's some line about oh I, I saw this timeline where you were happy and you were a supervillain. yeah like, like, like
0: the world the, like you being happy means the world gets fucked which no fuck you That is the most fucking. Oh, God.
1: And then it it ends on the mother of all stupid notes. Because it would have been one thing if it ended on the wedding. It would have been stupid, but it would have been an ending. But then they cut to said person going before Bane and saying, I've done as you asked. And I don't remember his face, but I've done what you asked. At which point to say, it doesn't matter if we don't know his name. I have broken the bat. Yes. The it's all part of my plan. The plan is great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that, Batman.
0: Your girlfriend left you. Now you're horribly broken, and thus I, Bane, can take over the city once again.
1: And speaking of stuff that's happened since this issue, aren't they doing with a, a really stupid thing where they're doing basically a trial of Batman while Mr. Freeze is on trial, that like he he's guilty of police brutality
0: fucking I don't know fucking god damn it Tom King is still writing this right (laughs) maybe I think I don't know I haven't read the most recent issues I read issue 50 then kind of had to stop I'm still a couple weeks behind
1: yeah okay so since Nico's not here and you're the other big Tom King fan here you defend this
0: no I hate this This is, this is terrible. Like, I, like, for the most part, outside of, like, like what I liked about the Batman stuff, what I liked about Tom King's Batman book is here. There's a lot fucking less of it, but it's still here. But anything that I could say that I like about this book is overshadowed by the big fucking kick-in-the-dick shit-on-your-grave fucking ending. Just, we spent all this investment in this relationship, and yes, we knew it was doomed because it's comic books, especially DC comic books. Even if they had got married, that relationship would last six months before one of them turns evil or dies. And then... But still, there was there was that little fucking sprinkle of fucking goddamn hope that Tom King, a solid writer who was able to produce like some really good fucking books, would fucking come in and go, like, hey, let's change something for fucking once. But then nope. They fucking split that shit up. And it ended in the most fucking bog-standard, an editor-wrote-this-not-me way. Fucking Catwoman says, you're an engine that runs on pain. I'm pretty sure that is a direct quote line of dialogue, and fuck me, that is
2: terrible. Ugh.
1: Some part of me wants to go through... Tom King's Twitter feed to see if he says anything about this that's worth discussing, but it would take a while to go through, so I don't really want to. But at some point, I might.
0: Yeah, we'd
1: (laughs) because if he, I'll put it this way: if he says anything about it that's interesting, I'll mention it. If he says nothing, I'll just assume it's DC. Yeah,
2: that's probably fair.
1: Because like I, I'm just fuck me to comprehend the decision-making because like yes Deadman man and i are not idiots we both knew that a like well, a wedding between catwoman and batman was not going to be like a decades-long thing in comics this wasn't gonna was going was to be superman love is Land. End. no but it would have been, the whole point of this, the reason this relationship was interesting, the way it was playing out, is because it wasn't doing the typical will-they-won't-they they thing with Batman.
0: No, it was just big. So will. to
1: end it, yeah. So to end it in the way that any Batman fan who didn't care about things changing would have expected it to end is kind of lame. Not even kind of, it
0: just... It is one of the lamest fucking things. Just we got fucking we got this potentially interesting story thread to fucking go forward with. We can we can fucking move forward, change things even slightly. Then pfft, Just fuck you, asshole. You're going to be getting the same shit forever until you die you piece of shit Ugh. i shouldn't be this mad about it
1: well cuz it has the it has the worst kind of onus the like it, even if stuff is not technically speaking as bad as cuz like this is not like one of the worst comics ever made type situations no, it isn't. It's just, it's, it's just disappointment.
2: Yeah,
0: it's a competently made bad comic. <sighs> just, there was potential here. Not a super amount of potential, but potential. And then they, then fucking somebody in charge just said, yo, fuck you, dude. Let's just fucking... Move on. We're going to do other stuff now. right about Catwoman? She's in her own Joel Jones book now. You like Joel Jones, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm concerned about the weird ass storyline they're going with for this first one, but it seems like the kind of thing Joel, jo- uh, Lady Killer Joel Jones would write.
0: Yeah. So. Springboarding from that, then. Let's talk about that Joel Jones book. All right. So it's one of
1: those dumber plots that comes with comics. Like, I don't know about you, but me personally, I have a small list of, like, storylines that show up in comics a lot that I personally get sick of. Uh And one of the biggest is copycats.
0: Yeah, they're. It's one of the easiest ones to do because of just how fucking people. Like, with the way they set up these characters and all the secret identity shit and mask and whatever, it is the easiest story for them to do. Just, oh, we yeah, have yeah, a well established so character. But then somebody's acting weird about him. Maybe it's a different person. It's not even a maybe in this case. It's no, like- in, in this case, it is very much there's somebody trying to steal
2: Catwoman's stick.
1: Yeah, well, specifically, there's a crazy lady who hires people to regularly give her blood infusions, which means she's probably sick to the point of dying pretty soon. Is this the um, Crypt Keeper? Uh, if you mean the lady who takes off her wig and puts in her uh, IV, then yes.
0: No, I mean the lady who takes off her wig... And her eyes, and her nose, and her teeth. Yeah. And then it's just I didn't left just like, All those ah. specific details.
1: Yeah. She is a like well before this before we're introduced to her we've seen a scene where someone in a Catwoman outfit is shooting cops.
2: Yeah, you know. And then
1: we like Catwoman do. Yeah, and then we see Selena. Well, I mean, to be fair, Selena has used guns before, so it's not absurd. It's uncommon, but it's not absurd. But um, then we cut to Selena moving into this other place in an apartment full of cats, you know, because yeah, shtick. <laughs> and Alfred sent her her clothes, and she freaks the fuck out like she didn't want to leave Batman because you know she shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> And then she finds out on the news about a Catwoman going around killing people, at which point when she's out on the street, she's or she's pulled in by the cops until she escapes and then gets her own Catwoman guard and goes after the copycats. Well, copycat at first, and then she finds in the last panel of the book that there are apparently dozens of them. And that based on that last panel, it really, really, really does not make much sense because it looks like they're literally just hundreds of them with different, like, body types and clothes.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, there there are some that have, like, an old, have like a more, like, classic style of Catwoman costume. There are some that are just, like, fucking tits out. There are some that are fatter. There's one that I think is, like, a 12-year-old. Yeah. There's a black lady.
1: So, I mean, it's an eye-c- eye-catching last image for a book. Plot lies that makes no fucking sense, but... <laughs> Because, I mean, these aren't Gotham cops. They would just like, hey, th- these people don't look the same.
2: All right, wait a minute. This cat lady don't look like the regular cat lady.
1: I mean, I will collect the rest of this because it's still Joelle Jones' art. And the art of the woman who drew Lady Killer must be owned. Yeah. Also, I mean, um, I, I'll
0: say there's uh, something else. Colors are done by Laura Allred.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that, but yeah, I mean, she's also, she's a little bit more normal than her husband, which again is also a low bar to clear, but
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's like, whoops, I accidentally tripped trying to clear that bar.
1: I, I don't know. Um, it's fine. It's kind, of, it's kind of like the plastic man book. It's kind of hard to tell. At this point, how the story will play out, but I like Catwoman enough of his character to read a six-issue miniseries about her, particularly if it's written and mostly drawn by Joel Jones with de- with good drunk coloring by Laura Allred. So it's yeah. fine, and it if this is the only and at least there's we got something good out of the dumb decisions of Batman Fifty. Yeah, I like like if this was a. A brand new day or civil war situation where literally nothing good came out of it, then I would probably be more angry. At this <laughs> point,
2: uh,
0: all that buildup, all that fucking, Remember that double date they had was with, uh, with with Superman Lois Lane just hanging out at the fucking carnival. Yeah,
1: the scene like the, the scene in the dressing room where they're comparing costumes.
0: Yeah. And then, then Batman fucking bets Superman that he can hit a home run off one of his pitches. That was a great fucking moment. Totally meaningless.
1: Yeah, but just a fun character, a great character dynamic.
0: Yeah, it usually is with those two. And
1: actually, okay, so strangely, the other um, more. The other, I mean, for me personally, the other good thing that came out of Batman 50 is that DC chose this moment to release a full trade collection of Sheriff of Babylon. So that's two good things that came from this.
0: Wait, because Not they much, because but, they released Batman 50, they released Sheriff of Babylon?
1: Like, it, within a week of releasing Batman 50, they released the full trade collection of Sheriff of Babylon.
0: I don't think you can give that, I don't think you give Batman 50 credit for that.
1: Okay, then there's just one thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, it was, it was circuitous timing, but
2: you can't, whatever.
1: Yeah, it's, I'm I'm just looking for stuff at this point, and (laughs) I don't know, it's, I'm glad I at least enjoyed Catwoman fifty, Catwoman number one, okay, because Batman fifty just was left me on such a sour note.
0: And I, every time this happens, I forget that I'm terrible at interviewing people, and I actually kind of get the idea of trying to contact Tom King to get him on the show to talk to him about this.
2: Yeah. But then,
0: but then I remember, A. I'm terrible at interviewing people, and B. He won't say shit.
1: Yeah, and actually while we were talking I checked his Twitter feed, he hasn't said shit about Batman 50, so he's clearly DC made him do this, or at least that's the story I'm going with.
0: Like, in like fucking five years time, when I have a whole new cast of people on this show, and it's a whole, and it's basically a whole new fucking website, basically, and Tom King's contract expires with DC, and he's able to talk about shit, I will try to get him on again, but right now we will never get shit about this.
2: Yeah. <sighs> anyway.
1: So yeah, uh, Batman 50 is lame. Uh, Catwoman number one is okay start to a miniseries.
0: series. righty then. Continuing on the shitting on DC train. <laughs> let's talk about the Teen Titans special.
1: Okay, I don't know what this is. So, it's still so awesome. this is a
0: book that is leading into the new Teen Titans book that had the hip hop inspired, um, you know, preview cover with Damien fucking, you know, doing fucking gangsta crouching in front of a fucking caddy.
1: Okay, now I instantly hate it. Go on.
0: Oh, you'll hate it even more because this this has echoes of that te- of that Titans trailer. There is a Wait, scene. Say it here- again. What? There is a scene in this fucking book that is almost note for note that same scene from the fucking Titans trailer. Ah. Yeah, so it's split into three pieces. Oh no. <laughs> so it's split into three pieces, um, with the cover so the cover is kind of The Where's cover David is... Goyer. Pardon? Where's David Goyer? Uh he's somewhere else. Uh this is i me actually pull up the name of this uh, name of this writer so we can properly shit on him. You sure it's not David Goyer? <laughs> Near positive. It is Adam Glass. So the cover of the book is Damian Wayne. Um, I'll say Young Wally West because I don't want to make this a race thing. Okay. Young Wally West and Emiko, Red Arrow. The three of them standing in front of the statues of their fucking forebears with them having destroyed them. <sighs> the green arrow statue is full of arrows. Um, the Flash statue is smashed to shit and Wally is holding a hammer. And then Batman, and then Damien is holding Batman's statue's head while throwing up the horns. <laughs> you know, the Damien well, maneuver to do.
1: That kinda makes sense considering the vast majority of books he's written that are good are Deadpool books.
0: <laughs> so yeah, then the book is split into like three little sections. Um First one is Damien, he is uh He just did some, you know, fucking crime shit, and so he was hanging out at his at a local um at a local, um, I guess Muslim food place or like Middle Eastern food place. Uh it's some kind of blood stew that he really likes. Okay. And then the place starts getting hassled by a bunch of assholes. So Damien is like, well, fucking God to deal with this shit. Gets all dressed up. Uh, goes, fights him, and actually blows up the plate. Actually he blows up the restaurant. <laughs> he tracks down one of the guys who um He tracks down one of the guys who got away I was like, Hey, what's happening with this? And he's like, Oh, it was Black Mask. He did all this. Damien tracks him to a spa where he's at, where he's having a schwitz. And Damien fucking shoots him. Or at least that's the implication. With the line immediately preceding it being Batman doesn't use guns, to which Damien responds, I'm not Batman. you so see what I mean by shades? Yeah. Also,
1: I'm looking at a discussion of other characters that are gonna show up in Adam Glass's Titans. Is there some person related to Lobo?
0: Um Yeah, cut out there for a second.
1: Is there some person related to Lobo? His daughter.
2: Uh
0: Yeah. Aren't you fucking
2: excited? Uh
0: Anyway, uh, we've got the Amico they're, stuff. They're um, it's, up, her, um, it's her fucking around with her mom. Her mom's a League of Assassins it. vet.
1: Well, of course she is.
0: <laughs> yeah, because as we all know, it, it's... Uh, I want to know, when in the timeline of Green, of Green Arrow, did they decide to make the Queen family just like a clandestine organization, basically. I don't know. Because the story is that Oliver's dad cheated on his mom with a member of the League of Assassins. Like, knowingly. Uh,
1: okay, Dead Man, tell me if this happens at the first issue because this description hurts me. Okay, so there's a character in the apparently called Roundhouse.
0: I haven't actually read the first issue of Adam Glass's Titans book. Okay. This is just about the special because I read the special and stopped.
1: All right. Well, I don't know if this character shows up in the special or not. He does not. uh, Okay.
0: It is three people. Red Arrow, Robin, Kid Flash.
1: Yeah. Well, in that case, the dead man, from what I'm reading, this, the, the first issue will be worse than the special because I'm reading up on some of the new characters he introduced. Um, listen to this description. Roundhouse is a character that was created by my son and I. It was the last character I came up with. He said, Daddy, what about a guy who bounces? I replied to him that he was too young to remember Bouncing Boy in the Legion of Supers. And he said, what if he could turn into different elements? What if he could turn into fire, lava, and metal? It's like, that was different. And apparently in the story, Kid Flash will find him on YouTube w- turning into a wrecking ball to Miley Cyrus's wrecking ball.
0: What? Yeah. Fucking... Okay, fuck, yeah, fuck, fuck, fuck. Anyway, the Red Arrow stuff is bad. The Red Arrow stuff is just kind of boring. I don't really care about the relationship with her and her mom, and that's the entirety of this.
1: Yeah. I actually don't mind Imiko as a character. No, Imiko's just... fine.
0: <laughs> like in that, like in the Green Arrow book before it got taken over by the fucking Bensons, she was a really fun character. Had a, had a good like interplay with her brother, and was solid uh, in this. I it focused on the least interesting aspect of her.
2: Yeah. Then we
0: get to Kid Flashes, where he goes to rescue somebody who was being taken by the Suicide Squad. You know, the Oscar-winning Suicide Glass, Squad,
1: because Adam Glass wrote that book. Yeah, yeah. He, well, actually, I should say he wrote the new Fifty Two version of Suicide Squad.
0: Yeah, uh, it was Harley which was Quinn. Cancelled because of him. Yeah, it was a uh, Harley Quinn and El Diablo taking a lady in. Uh, Flash uh, Wally goes up and saves her. Uh, at which point, the Elder Wally shows up. And says, hey, Younger Wally, let them take her. We got fucking orders, I guess, because they... Because apparently Amanda Waller has veto power for rescuing people. Somehow. But yeah, then uh, then the two of them go off and have lunch. And the Elder Wally is, is all, hey man, you gotta just fucking... These things happen sometimes. You know, there are people, whatever, and then Younger Wally is, fuck you, dude. This is bullshit. Those people are murderers. Amanda Waller is a monster. Fucking, come on, man. So then he leaves and finds a lady and turns out it was an assassination, not a kidnapping. ba da ba ba da ba
1: we suck.
0: Yep. Oh boy.
1: So this this series is gonna suck, eh?
2: Oh yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, it's gonna suck a big. It's gonna suck a big one, eh?
1: Yeah, it's gonna suck worse than the fate of Tim Hortons.
0: Hey, what you talking about, man? Tim Hortons he is he doing didn't. fine, eh? Tim Tim Hortons will last until America invades for our water. Anyway, uh, yeah, with with that trailer that came out, I was hankering for some good Teen Titans shit. I found none. Yeah. yeah, because
1: think about how bad this week is for Titans fans. You've got Teen Titans Go to the movies. You've got the Titans TV trailer. Oh my, which we will get to. And this.
2: yeah.
0: All this is just making me want to go back and read through again. I, I have I have one volume of the Marv Wolfman New Teen Titans series. All of this is maybe just want to go back and reread that seven times as a palate cleanser. I'm oh, sure.
1: Yeah, I think um, I went. I have like the first big giant book collection of Marv Wolfman's run of Teen Titans, and I lent it to Caveman, and I haven't seen it in three or four years, but. Uh, Yeah, I'd rather read that than what you're describing. I'd rather read even Jeff Johns' Titans run from the mid-2000s, which is all kinds of messy and weird, but...
0: Is that the one that had the fucking super murderer super dog?
1: I think so, yeah. Okay. It's the one where... It's the one where Beast Boy turns into a shark to bite Aquaman.
0: Naturally. Yeah, fuck me. The the Teen Titans have had a bad run recently.
1: Yeah, like, weren't they one of the ones that sucked right out of the gate outside out of um, Rebirth and aside from What's the other Titans book? The one that has the actual Titans we care about in it? Is it just Titans. called Titans? Okay.
0: Just called Titans. All right. Yeah, with Titans, it was. With Titans, it was the old school Teen Titans team uh, getting together, getting their memories back, and rejoining up with Wally. And then the other. And then the Teen Titans book uh, was about. Uh, excuse me. Uh, the Teen Titans, some of which we know, uh, some of which we don't, um, getting shit on by Damien. That's basically it.
1: Yeah. Which wasn't that also the previous Rebirth Titans book?
0: No, I'm like that. That's what I was talking about with the Rebirth stuff. Like that was.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, different. What you're describing from the uh p- from the uh, special suggests to me that the new book's going to be basically the same.
0: It will, <laughs> because it's Damien, and outside of like four writers, nobody knows how to write Damien like a good character. They latched onto he's a shit and don't do anything else with him. <sighs> Damien shouldn't be on the Teen Titans.
2: No. He
1: should barely be working with his dad's crew. Yeah, like... Like, like I feel like um, Damien has turned into that character who everyone knows is a piece of shit, but there's not enough people who call out that he's a piece of shit.
0: Yeah, because no one fucking like, I does. Think the only,
1: like, the only one that handles him is uh, John. And <laughs> does, does John still exist?
0: Uh, yeah he's out in space having a, having a space trip with his uh, grandpa and mom Aww. while his dad's back on earth being real coy about where his family is and kind of hitting on the new fire inspector
1: god damn you Bendis
2: <laughs> yeah
1: okay so anything else about this special
2: no fuck
0: it it's bad Pick up the Marv Wolfman Teen Titans book. Just go read that, people. It's good. It's fucking great, actually.
1: Yeah, no. Marv, there's a reason the Titans have stuck around for as long as they have because of what Marv Wolfman did. Yeah. Even subsequent versions have built on the characterizations he did. As weird. Okay, and this is. As weird as. Um, Judas' contract got in the original comics, it's still more sensible than how it was handled in the movie.
0: <laughs> oh, God. The second you said the movie, I just did just the image flash in my mind of Terra turned evil with the stupid fucking black mi- black lipstick and the undercut. Yeah. It just looked like she just got back from her first warp tour.
2: Yeah. Oh wow. I
0: should feel bad, but I should feel bad when I whenever I think about that image. But it always make but it always makes me happy just by how funny it is.
1: Yeah. Although speaking of laughably bad dead man, um, you and I when it comes out on disc, we have to do death of Superman. Because they're not just doing it again. They're doing it book loyal.
2: Oh, fuck. Son of a bitch. Yeah.
0: Do you think they'll partner with the WWE for that TV bit where Doomsday sees wrestling and decides to go to Metropolis? I don't know. Or will they just have some weird indie promoter?
1: All I know is that... The day after they said that they were releasing Death of Superman, they showed the next one, Reign of Superman, and they flat out showed all of the characters from the second half of the Death of Superman story that we remember and that were so 90s it hurt. Ugh. So that's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, get ready for fucking Brett the Hitman Hart fighting a Chippendales dancer.
2: Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got for that one.
1: <laughs> Alright. So, I could continue the DC bashing and I will. Yay. But, um, I'll take a break to bash Marvel a little bit. Fuck. Um, <laughs> Oh, do you want me to continue bashing DC? No, yeah, let's get the train rolling, dude. I got another DC book after this. Okay. So, um, let's shit on Hal Jordan a little bit.
2: Woo!
1: Uh, <laughs> So, in the 90s, uh, DC in particular did a lot of crossovers with Dark Horse. And one of the dumber ones was Green Lantern Aliens. Okay. Okay. So, I, and I actually... The premise of this one, issue one, in, because this is a four-issue miniseries, issue one in particular, its premise is so stupid... That I had to actually like have a ph- psych- ph- philosophical debate with Caveman about how stupid this was, like because I'm a deep I'm a big DC fan and I like a lot of these characters, but I will never be as big of a Green Lantern fan as Caveman is. Yeah, so I had to have him. I had to confirm with him that I ha- had every right to hate Hal Jordan for this as much as I did. So the first issue is so like. Standard Green Lantern Corps like Kilowog, Tomare, the Works, a group of them get called by the Guardians to deal with a distress signal from one of the lanterns going offline on a planet. Wow. And the reason being that, and this just raises so many questions, uh, the lantern got face hugged and gave birth to an alien. <laughs>
0: Yes, yeah, so when you say Green Lantern aliens, you mean alien aliens. Yeah, xenomorphs. Which I did I, made... I didn't think that Don't Green Lanterns generally like have a force field up at all times? Yes. Like that's how they can and, be uh, in space. Yes.
1: And that's one of many problems with this setup. Um Next one being that immediately once the fa- the xenomorphs are discovered by the lantern corps, uh, Kilowog's thing is these things are crazy, let's kill them. But uh, Hal's response is no, they're just animals like sharks. We can't just kill animals be- for being animals. So let's just dump. <laughs> Let me finish his brilliant plan, and then I'll and then you can rage. Uh, his brilliant plan is dump all of the xenomorphs, their queen, and the eggs. On uh, the Mogo planet. And then just leave them there.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Al Jordan, you fucking retarded shitbag. Okay. I can think of a way this could go. I know it probably won't. But just imagine, if you will, Mogo, the living planet, gets face hugs. Yeah. And then gives birth to an alien planet. <laughs> the planet opens up and shoots out a tongue that has a smaller planet attached to it. Yeah. The rivers run with acid. All the trees are just horrible snot monsters made by Giger. Yeah, so that was issue one. Now I want that. that. Now I want it to go full Dead
2: Space 3.
1: So that was issue one. (laughs) Uh, The other three issues cut to after Zero Hour, where Hal Jordan has gone insane and destroyed the uh, Green Lantern Corps, and Kyle Rayner is the only Green Lantern left, and a group of um, uh, aliens who were being groomed to replace their respective planets' Green Lanterns show up and say, hey, Hal Jordan created a mess and now it's coming back to bite him so we need you to clean it up. (laughs) To which Kyle Rayner kind of responded, with that description, you're going to have to be a little bit more specific.
0: Yeah, Hal was the worst of us and he did a lot of shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So beyond the stupidity of him destroying Mogo's Green Lantern, which I guess was preventing the Xenomorph from doing anything... Um, apparently, uh, several, uh, ships crash landed on Mogo's planet after his Green Lantern was destroyed, so now several dozen people are dead because of Hal, and, uh, one of the people, and one of the reasons Hal said he dumped them on the Mogo planet is that no, no living things that could be infected by the xenomorphs would ever land here, so they're not a threat. And I'm like, uh, fuck you? <laughs> 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 oh god and there, there, there's other we, and okay so a big problem with the whole of this story that showed both during the hal jordan stuff and the kyle rayner stuff is that i'm not sure this writer understands how the green lantern rings work
0: yeah probably not
1: yeah because it one, the the field thing that you mentioned is a problem um for no reason stated the ring that of the lantern that was killed by the xenomorph just laid there after the it, green lantern died it didn't like either go back to oa or seek a successor it just sat there next to the corpse like i'm not a, i'm not that versed in green lantern mythos but i'm pretty sure that's not how that works
0: yeah, no. Once the lantern dies, it then the ring just fucking immediately just. Well, he's dead. Whoop.
1: Yeah, and then like, it I'm shows not exactly again. fucking
0: super well versed in Green Lantern shit either, but I feel like I can. I feel like I could get like a solid C on a Green Lantern quiz.
1: <laughs> yeah, this guy would probably get an F.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, from there, like uh, during a, a scuffle with some xenomorphs, Kyle Rayner's ring just gets pulled off by someone holding onto his hand. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah, was that <laughs> guy then, concentrating harder?
1: <laughs> that joke occurred to me as I was reading this, but uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and apparently, the goop. That uh, the queen secretes uh, surrounding the alien eggs is so thick that when Kyle tries to resummon his ring uh, from the goop, it's so sticky that it can't move.
0: That's not how that works. <laughs> Just like I, I feel
2: like I know we're, like ar- this is I know we're
0: th- arguing the mechanics of fake, of fake fictional alien shit. But rules have been established for this stuff. Yeah. This ain't like fucking vampires. You can do whatever the fuck you want, and as long as, like, a couple of things are true. Like, aliens are very much a property that exists that we have rules for.
2: Yeah.
1: And also, this was... and So the Hal Jordan's, like, uh, choosing not to kill them thing, it, it kind of becomes moot in that uh, after... It, it, Kyle manages to save some people but a lot of people are dead during the rescue attempt and uh, this one character who confuses the hell out of me because it's basically like uh, I assume you know the first two alien movies well enough for me to for this reference to make sense they basically combined Bishop and Ripley into one character what <laughs> what yeah, uh, the, one of the people that uh, Kyle Rayner first meets when he ends up on the planet for the rescue mission is this clear, like, Ripley stand-in of, like, the hot pants, the tank top, and the badass girl thing that Kyle Rayner keeps hitting on, and she's like, eh, fuck off. Uh, and, until it's revealed in the last few pages of the last issue that she was an android. <laughs>
0: well, like in most things, Kyle Rayner does better than Hal Jordan by, a like, I... Given Green Lantern stuff, I would have assumed that she was actually a child. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, uh... uh
0: space is fucked.
1: It, her her last thing she says before she powers off is c- telling Kyle that don't let this happen again. And some part of me was hoping that, uh... There's some meme out there of of Hal Jordan with a Green Lantern ring and then it cussed that of her saying, don't let this happen again. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, DC is going to keep making it happen. Yep. Uh, so Kyle kills all of the Xenomorphs and the Queen and blows up the eggs as you should. He Says yeah, and and this was the the heart of the philosophical debate. Now, actually, this is another thing about uh, I asked caveman about how the rings work. Is like, don't the rings have access to like all known knowledge that the Guardians have collected over millennia yeah. in the thirty-six known. Uh, star systems and one they never consult the ring to figure out what the xenomorphs are two apparently they'd never heard of them
2: <laughs> uh,
0: this sounds terrible
1: what it's what it sounds like to me is that it's it's a square peg in a round hole scenario where they wanted the crossover but the crossover doesn't make all that much sense conceptually, so they had to really wrench it. And if you look at DC's history of crossovers, the one crossover that keeps happening that keeps not working is Green Lantern crossing over with anything. Yeah, because they cross them over with Planet of the Apes, with
2: Star Trek,
1: Star War, Star Trek. Um, I think X Men at one point.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that's a joke. <laughs> No, of course it fucking happened.
2: <laughs> Christ.
1: Yeah. So I mean, the Kyle Rayner stuff is better just because Kyle Rayner is a better character than Hal Jordan. And well,
0: it's not hard to a certain, be a better character than Hal Jordan. The, like,
1: there's a certain unironic, there's a certain ironic glee in the idea that this story seems self-aware that this is all Hal Jordan's fault because Hal Jordan's an idiot. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean like you want a more interesting you want a more interesting character than Hal Jordan? Just get a just get a plain piece of Wonder Bread and spritz some Tabasco on it. Already, more flavor than Hal Jordan. Yeah. But like Hal Jordan's the, the, a real Mike is, Pence kind of guy, just without the horrible yeah. politics.
1: Uh eh, I don't know. If you look at the New 52
0: era. <laughs> But, um... Shit on Hal Jordan a lot around here. Yeah. He kind of deserves it. A little bit.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, so, um... It, it was like I was saying, the, the problem with this is that it just feels like they had to work way too fucking hard for this to feel like any kind of a threat at all. Because, like, with the powers that the Green Lanterns have, if anything related to Green Lanterns had been written correctly, the story would have been over in ten pages.
0: Yeah, it would have just been like, oh, a threat, crush.
1: Yeah. And, like, all the rest of the Lantern Corps and the Hal Jordan issue were like, yeah, let's kill these things, particularly after Tomar Ray gets a a, be- uh, a chest full of uh, xenomorph blood that he doesn't particularly
0: like.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, actually, here's the question, um, what color were the facehuggers? Because occasionally the facehuggers are shown as yellow.
1: Um, Looked like an orangish-brown. Okay, never mind.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, you could maybe hand wave some of that away uh, in terms of the problem of, oh, the things were yellow, so fucking, there you go. That's a thing, right? The green lantern rings are weak to the color yellow. Yeah. Like the old one was weak to wood. Yeah, and Power Girl was weak to unprocessed materials. Uh, yeah, there was a time where Power Girl, a person on par with Superman, got beaten by a stick. Yeah, just a re- they... regular stick, not a magic stick, not alien stick. Just somebody picked up, somebody picked up a fucking like hefty bit of wood off the ground and smacked her with it. She started bleeding. <laughs>
1: Because they had to, they were trying to contrive ways for Power Girl to not be Supergirl, and they failed.
0: Well, she already kind of had two reasons right there. Just gonna move past that. But I'm Tish. That's yeah. thank you. I'll be here all week. Join me at the nineteen seventy stand-up club.
1: <laughs> I feel like I should make some kind of start. Star, of uh, not Star Trek. Um... South Park joke here. It's like, you want to my teeth around it? Uh, no, man. Sorry, I get in trouble again.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible.
1: Yeah. So yeah, uh, this was an okay read if it weren't it, it because I like Kyle Rainer, the, the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern era, and because it it shit on Hal Jordan itself a little bit. If even if it
0: was stupidly
1: contrived. Man, if I was but writing this it, book,
0: the first thing that would happen is Hal, like Hal Jordan goes off to fucking investigate a thing that he's the first person to get face-hugged. <laughs> they go get him and nice. it's, like, it's like, hey, guys, don't worry about it. I'll handle this. Everything's going to be great.
1: Yeah. Well, but, and that would have been funny because Hal Jordan would have been such an idiot that uh, at one point, um, Kyle does get one of the face-huggers on his face, but he gets his ring on and forces it off before it implants the embryo. Like, This is a question I would ask about the xenomorphs. Do they anesthetize their victims while they're implanting the embryo? Kind of. Okay. Like uh,
0: like from from what we've seen, um, when, when the when the thing gets on there, uh, they do go unconscious, and like 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 they, they like their airways all blocked off and stuff, but they are still breathing. Yeah. So there's some kind of like, hey, we put you into some kind of coma to get the thing in there. Yeah. But. Uh, they may have gone into it in one of the in one of the other things, but from what I remember of the first, from what I remember of the aliens movies, they don't really go super deep into into like the mechanics of how that all works, except for facehugger goes on, it comes off, chestburster comes out.
2: Yeah,
1: but they, that's that's a minor. It's not really all that important. Yeah. It's just something that occurred to me, but um. Yeah, this was uh, of uh, this this collection of DC Dark Horse crossovers I was reading from. Um, it's a tie between this or uh, JLA Predators, which is the worst.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: I mean, I could talk about JLA Predators if you just want something supremely dumb.
0: Nah, that's cool. Well. We'll save that I'll for a rainy day. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Uh, Green Lantern aliens, aliens. It's a it's a thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fuck Hal Jordan. Not a good thing. Anywho, moving right along. Continuing on the DC train. Let's talk about Plastic Man.
1: Okay. So, um, let me get... Are you... Did you read the same issue I read previously? Is that what we're talking about?
0: Uh, yeah. Issue one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... Because I did read issue
1: two of this.
2: Okay, cool.
0: So yeah, this is uh, a no? Gail Simone book uh, about Plastic Man. Um, Birdie talked about issue one on a previous show. And then I got a chance to read it. And I had some thoughts. Okay. But they kind of echo your thoughts. It just, this was just kind of fine.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, the second issue emphasizes what I thought the problem what the first issue was, although it... I thinking I'm thinking it might work itself out with through like absurd parody type thing in that it do, it can't pick a tone at least it doesn't feel like it can
2: yeah
0: like <laughs> the art especially I think kind of kind of aids in that because the, the beginning of it is the most fucking just imagine the most stereotypical mobster looking thing you can think of. That's the first scene. It is a short man with bad hair in a suit next to a next to a stupidly hot lady as he beats somebody to death with a baseball bat in an alley. And then a child comes up who is the king of a street or whatever. Talk, keeps talking about how things are so wang, which I think's a joke. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, like when you, when you see the art and like that stuff happens, it is while the colorist doesn't really well the colorist uh the colorist paints all the blood black for some reason
1: yeah i don't quite get that either
0: and it's just fucking beating the shit out of this guy and it's all drawn it's all drawn in a way that kind of reminds me of another artist whose name escapes me uh he he does jimmy's bastards Let me see if I can actually pull up his fucking name here. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Russ Braun, but like worse. Just like like a lot of, like it is Russ Braun, but a lot more cartoony. Like every, everybody in this look, yeah. everybody in this looks more like a cartoon character, but they do the horrible violence stuff, and it doesn't gel with the art or the tone yeah cuz this is delving more into plastic man's past as eel o'brien uh who apparently doesn't remember murdering a man
1: yeah apparently this uh, this happened on the night he was hit by the formula that turned him into plastic man and Part of the process is that his memories of the events surrounding his turning into Plastic Man are a little fuzzy. Uh
0: Uh-huh. So, Resurfaces tries to get in contact with a bunch of his old dudes. They beat the (laughs) fuck out of him. Leave him for Uh, dead. Then he takes his skin off and turns into Plastic Man?
1: Yeah. Because I guess he wears a more normal-looking skin, which is weird for a shape-shifter. Uh over his plastic body when he's doing his side job as a as a like i guess the head of a of a strip club Yeah he I like he,
0: he like works out of he like lives out of and like has some managerial uh, wor- uh, stuff in it working at a superhero themed strip club
1: Yes which it's starting to creep me out that DC has started to pull this way more than Marvel has since DC is supposed to be less sleazy than Marvel, most of things considered.
0: Yeah, like, like a superpower strip club, like a superhero theme strip club, strip club seems like a Marvel thing.
1: Yeah, and yet in the last year, DC's done it twice, both here and in that Batman and Harley Quinn thing, which I will remind you was set in the Batman the Animated Series universe.
0: Yeah, you know. A lot of strip clubs on WB Kids.
1: And ended with Harley Quinn just with Harley Quinn getting kissed by Nightwing and Batman on the cheeks as she sets the Floronic Man on fire.
0: We need to do that at some point. (laughs) Fuck me. Have you seen it? No. Why would I? <laughs> unless we are, unless we are making something out of it, I ain't watching that shit. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, and there's also this. There, there's this one bit that kind of sticks out in my mind for this whole thing that I, and I don't know why, but like he, like Eel, Plastic Man walks into his place, gets meted by a Super Girl or Superman. I, I don't know. I can't really get a read on it. I'm leaning more Supergirl, but a Supergirl stripper who I think is super into him. But then he leaves yeah. her but then he leaves her to go hit on a black Aquaman who's in like, I don't date criminals. And he's like, aw, Pooey. So he goes upstairs, sleeps yeah, in his comically I- small bed. It's contacted by like spies or something. Like a spy or somebody comes in. It's like, hey, I need Elo Brian, and then he gets out of bed, and she is like, oh, dip. Because apparently he's really hot.
2: Yeah,
1: or he can like simulate the traits that make men
0: look hot. Yeah, because he's a shapeshifter. Yeah, but here's the thing: I don't know what the joke was. I thought it was a dick joke. Yeah, I did too. Like that's that's what it seemed to be because when when I saw him in the next panel before I read the like in the panel after the oh my before I read the dialogue, I was like oh yeah okay he looks like moderately attractive for this world. Because here's the thing like, in terms of standards, the DC universe has a stupidly high standard.
1: Yeah, for everything For just I think unless you're like one of those characters who was deliberately deformed.
0: Yeah, unless you look like me
1: then you're at least a 7 in DC universe if not higher yeah
0: <laughs> so fat to man stand up and just be like oh hey i am physically fit yeah not not I, like a my, fucking my response t- to that my
1: response to that joke was the joke i'd make to my friends who When we talk about body, it's just like, yeah, sure. People really want to see all of this, as I point to myself.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then it just fucking freaks the fuck out. and gave myself a 12-pack, which was... I don't even know.
1: Yeah. Like, I feel like... um, The tone would feel less confused, confused if the humor was funnier. Yeah. Like it, it, it could go back. It could pull a Deadpool and go back and forth between dark and funny. If the but the humor writing is not as consistent as the darker writing, and that problem becomes more apparent in the second issue, where the only joke I laughed at is that apparently people mistook Batman for Man Bat again. That seems to keep happening.
0: I'm trying to figure out how to do a confused ba da ba ba da ba ba da ba
1: da ba.
0: There we go. Yeah, and, but, and it's something, something that didn't help this issue was I have come off the heels of, like I said, I think last time, seeing Plastic Man in Injustice. Yeah. Which is doing this, but infinitely better.
1: Yeah. Because the only the only character Injustice has fucked up is Wonder Woman.
0: Yeah, like. And I feel like
1: that's the- just because they're trapped with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the one of the funniest bits, like, like one of the one of the like better Plastic Man bits that I'd, that I've seen, which is like when they introduced him, just Batman shows up. It's like, hey, I'm looking for this guy. And he's like, oh, he doesn't live here. Yeah, he does. And, they, and then and just he starts shape shifting, and then like Plastic Man's kids start shape shifting into a bunch of different other things. And Batman keeps finding them. He's like, how do you how do you keep finding me? It's like, fuck, I'm playing hide and seek with Batman. Of course, he's gonna fucking find me. And then it turns out that Plastic Man was just a watch on his kid's wrist the entire time. I was like, ah, I told you I could fucking fool Batman, you piece of shit. Just real cartoony shit in a super dark story. But it all works. Plastic Man did that, just fucking works. In this, like, the cartoony energy of Plastic Man, I do, I think works in this well enough. It's yeah. just the actual, it's just the actual written jokes aren't that funny. And the the world, it's, the rest of the world doesn't really, I don't think it goes far enough for, pla- it, it either doesn't go far enough or doesn't accommodate Plastic Man well enough for this to work really well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it starts to a little better in the second issue because um, uh, Plastic Man being Plastic Man can't tell the difference between Batman and Man-Bat until a small child points out to him that that's not Batman. He's like, what? That's like a a, bat, a man that's a bat, not Batman. And he's like, oh. Well, then fuck this noise. And he turns into a dragon and tries to eat plastic and tries to eat Man-Bat.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I will give this to the artist. Like, If they were to actually do a more well written plastic band book. I think they could do a pretty good job of it.
1: Yeah, and they actually found an art style that can accommodate both tones, which is it's not easy to do that. It's, no, it's you not. can actually have a, an art style that doesn't work for one tone or the other, or in some cases neither. But um, yeah, it's just the right Gail some, which is weird because I know Gail Simone has written funny stuff before, so it, it's weird that she she's kind of just not 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 blowing it but kind of whiffing it on the humor. <laughs> yeah. Maybe
0: she's maybe and then, she's just and not he, used to like writing like this level uh, of humor or this style yeah. of humor. I'm
1: hoping the third issue gets a lot better because of it, it one particular joke cuz the last line of the book after Plastic Man Dragon tries to eat Man-Bat is him saying, "Look, look vampire tooth, look like vampire dentist commercial." I have people chasing me. I don't want to deal with you people. I want protection. It's so, like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Even Bambat's Bat's like, what? <laughs>
0: yeah, that really confused me. I was just cool. trying
1: to kill you. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's, it's clearly the Plastic Man approach to this is how I'm getting on the inside. Ah. <laughs> huh. Which, you know, it's a dumb... Plastic Man approach to things, so yeah, totally. Hopefully, the rest of the issues, the uh, writing issues, will work himself out, and we can have some fun stupidity with the last four issues. Yeah, need something after the stupidity of Titans.
2: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <And> so your <laughs> next book, Birdie.
1: All right, so. I think that's the last of the.
2: Is that the last of the DC books?
1: Duh, 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 duh. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now to sh- confusion with Marvel. Um, Immortal Hulk. <laughs> okay. So I apparently missed some dumb shit with the Hulk. That neither so because you neither you nor I read um, Secret Empire. Nope. Or Avengers No Surrender. Yeah. So appa- with, with, the funny thing about what, what was revealed in Avengers Secret Empire, because I think that was re- Was that written by Nick Spencer? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the only funny thing about that is that apparently Avengers Secret Empire, Nick Spencer pulled a Bendis on Bendis. Okay. Where he revealed that um, the nuclear, the gamma radiated material that, uh, they found at Bruce's lab when they confronted him in civil war two was shipped there by captain America to distract the big Avengers. (laughs) 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 Yes. It's as stupid as I'm making it sound.
0: (laughs) Oh God. Nick Spencer kind of sucks now. Remember, remember like fucking five years ago when Nick Spencer was like hot shit.
1: I miss Cap Wolf.
0: Yeah, I miss Bedlam.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, the other, uh, so apparently uh, Bruce uh, Banner was resurrected proper in Avengers: No Surrender. We just I didn't read how.
0: Who the fuck cares?
1: Read, yeah. So they have have this book where they're doing the wandering Bruce Banner thing again um the difference being that uh they're playing up the Jekyll and Hyde thing a lot more than before and like like not just like the horrible monster thing that like the the Hulk might actually be smarter than Banner now fucking what because uh okay so the what the justification they give is that when Hawkeye shot him in the head even though he technically recovered from that in that the Hulk recovered from that, some part of his some parts aspects of him were missing. That he like he certain aspects of his intellect didn't return to him. But the Hulk got them. And <sighs> it gets weirder in that apparently every night the Hulk comes out and like if you piss Bruce Banner off it increases the odds that the Hulk comes out cuz occasionally he doesn't come out and it's like a a werewolf type thing where he comes out savages a town and then disappears it's
0: well this I mean, sounds better... amazing
1: well it's the only thing amazing about it is that they got Alex Ross to do the covers for the series that's depressing
0: yeah, yeah, that, it really is. <laughs> the
1: interior art's not bad. The writing's not bad. It's just the premise is kind of stupid.
0: Man. Remember fucking...
1: I don't know why... Remember I those I, I know, six I issues guess... we
0: had Frank Cho doing Hulk art? Yeah. And how fucking awesome they were?
1: Yeah, or even John Rabina Jr.'s Hulk art in World of War Hulk.
0: Yeah, just something.
1: Yeah, I blame Universal. Like, that's the only reason I could think of why all of the Hulk characters are constantly fucked over. Because I have to talk about Avengers again after this, but uh, this was just disappointing. Yep. And no. it's not the fun, kind of stupid talk about like my previous books. This is just... just sad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's you're, like okay I have a question. Have you ever watched an episode of the 70s TV series? Uh no. Okay. I've watched a couple because I know that's like that's where a lot of the ideas for like the revamped Hulk stuff comes from because it was so popular. Uh it's boring as fuck.
0: Yeah, like I I haven't I haven't seen a full episode of it, but I've seen like clips of it and from what I remember like what I was able to glean from those it's basically David Banner rolls into town, being all sullen and shit. Somebody goes like, "Hey, fuck you, buddy." Hulk comes out for thirty seconds, and then he leaves with sad piano music.
1: Yeah, because it's like forty minutes of nothing, then three minutes of Hulk fighting people. Because you know that's who you want the Hulk to fight.
0: Yeah, totally. People. I really want to. I really want to see a fucking rage monster who is ninety percent muscle, eighty five percent eighty five percent anger. Just punch Frank.
1: Yeah. You get Lou Ferrigno, the guy who, as Hercules, threw a bear into space, and
0: he just he just like shitting on truckers,
1: basically.
2: Like, yeah, hey, I guess so what? I, assholes I, dunk.
1: I want Marvel to do something with the Hulk because they clearly can't pick a tone for the Hulk, and they can't pick a storyline for the Hulk because the how many times have they changed it in the last three years?
0: Like five. Like
1: three or four. Times.
0: In the time I've been reading Hulk, there have been like five different fucking Hulk stories. Some of which are just reverses of each other. Yeah. Like one of the ones I started with, it was like Bruce Banner would just be running around doing whatever and then would just all of a sudden pass out and then wake up and have to solve the Hulk problems. And then another one was the hulk would be running around and then would fall asleep and then wake up and have to solve the banner problems because banner turned out because like there, there was there was like a there was like a fucking 2 month period there where the hulk and banner relationship was switched around where where the hulk was now the dominant personality and banner was the evil monster living inside that occasionally got out to wreak havoc
1: yeah i vaguely remember that
0: cuz there was a point where they split like they did some science and hulk and banner split into two separate bodies And then Banner was obsessed with trying to get the Hulk back, then died, then came back in the Hulk subconscious. Cause yeah. Yeah. Was Amadeus Cho mentioned any of this?
1: Uh, in this series, um I think vaguely once they mentioned are you sure it's not that new kid? Cause some people were talking about a big green thing destroying a town that seemed to be bulletproof. And they're like, it can't be the green kid. He's on trial for shooting himself into space and coming back and being mad at everyone for civil war too.
0: <laughs> I can't tell if you're joking or not.
1: Kind of half joking. <laughs>
0: uh yeah, the only Amadeus Cho stuff I've seen since dropping that book has been in Ghost Rider and in Champions.
1: Yeah, yeah like, the reason, like, I mean, I was only kind of vaguely interested in the earlier issues of the book where Frank Cho was drawing it, but um, the the last half of it just kind of offended me because they just redid, they just forced Greg Pak to redo uh, Plant Hulk and World War Hulk with Amadeus Cho and that just raised the middle finger.
0: Well, <laughs> okay, actually, fun fact: um, James, uh, buddy of mine, friend of the site, like contributor on the site and stuff, uh, he actually got me a signed copy of the first totally awesome Hulk book by Greg Pak. Okay. Yeah, he cool. yeah. He, there was a little comic convention happening yeah. in his happening in his area. bunch of art, bunch of writers and artists were there. He got me a yeah, he got me signed copy of a uh, totally awesome Hulk number one, and a signed copy of the entirety of like of the luther Schrode series
1: okay i mean that first volume of totally awesome hulk wasn't a problem it's just that it had no narrative direction so they just kept changing it afterwards
2: yeah
0: what i'm i'm remembering this right right where the where that where the initial storyline for totally awesome hulk was amadeus cho and his sister hunted monsters
1: yeah. And, and he became the Hulk She-Hulk because or other characters would show up.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he and he became the Hulk because dot dot dot.
1: Yeah. And then the next several issues were just crossovers with other random characters throughout the Marvel universe for no clearly explained reason.
0: Yeah. And the thing, the one that I gave up on was the basketball issue.
1: Yeah, I for, I remember the cover of that. I I think you might have talked about it and said, ah, fuck this, but I don't remember.
0: Yeah, I made it to that issue, and then I said, ah, fuck this.
1: Okay. Anyway. So yeah, Immortal Hulk, it's another mediocre, bland Hulk book, because fuck you,
0: Universal. All right, then. Speaking of mediocre, let's talk about Deadpool number one. Okay, so as I recall, you did not
1: like the ending of the previous uh, Deadpool series. I fucking hated it.
0: It was the Batman 50 of Deadpool. Just let's take the most lazy possible conclusion and out for the story, and then reset things back to the status quo. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, at the end of the Gary Duggan um, run of Deadpool, uh, Deadpool was in a bad was in a bad place. Uh, forced to forced to do a bunch of horrible shit that he didn't want to do, and then he decided that the only way to stop that from happening was to mind wipe himself.
1: Always a good decision.
0: Yeah. So he went to. So uh, they had introduced earlier in this run that. Uh, that a scientist who who had who would like make deadpool um, he had been hitting deadpool with the, with doses of this mind erasing drug so that so that he could keep performing experiments on him deadpool had found like a little cache of his a little like fucking stash house went there got all the drugs that he could that were mind wiping drugs and injected them all into himself at once essentially shutting down his mind that lasted 6 months like in universe, at which point he, at which point uh, somebody came in and said, "Hey, I'm Deadpool. I'm gonna do this with Jimmy Changas." And then Deadpool, for real, was like, "Fuck you, dude!" And then burns the place down, steals his Deadpool costume, and then leaves. Because that's how mind wiping works. You forget all the bad stuff, but then remember your name, personality, skills, and your favorite Mexican food.
1: Oh, so they pulled a Tony Stark.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they mind wiped him for six months and then just put him back where he was but with no memory of any of the interesting things that had happened to
2: him. Yeah. Yeah, so getting into this one...
1: And whereas in the case of the Tony Stark thing, I was kind of okay with it because the decisions he'd made prior to the mind wipe were the kinds of things you couldn't really come back from and still have a series. Uh, This sounds... Dumb.
2: Yeah.
0: So with this, uh, Deadpool is back in the mercenary game. He's out there doing murders, uh, hanging out with the movie version of Negasonic Teenage Warhead, with her having supplanted the comic book version of Negasonic Teenage Warhead, just erasing her from existence. Because it doesn't bother me. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was, I was just gonna say because, of course, it is. Like that movie version is incredibly popular.
1: No one remembers the comic version,
0: so... Yeah. Wait, no, actually, I think... I think Negasonic TH4 had actually showed up as the comic version in the previous Deadpool story. Like, she was a plot point.
2: Hmm.
0: But anyway, uh, yeah, so she is working as his receptionist, basically. Where... He will get jobs, go out and do them as mercenary stuff, and come back. And she spends all her time sitting at a desk on her phone because teenagers, you know? And Deadpool makes jokes like, hey, fucking teenager stuff, your phone's being on your fucking Twit books. He actually. Did Scotty Young turn into a dad at some point? it feels like a book written by a dad. If that makes sense.
1: I mean, it makes sense. I don't know.
0: There's A, there's a lot of the jokes in this thing are just him, are just Deadpool railing against fucking young people, fucking youths. The
1: kids these days.
0: Yeah. And not being particularly good at it. And the thing starts out with a bad joke, too. Like Deadpool is in a theater watching a movie, and it is a very bad movie. The dialogue is incredibly rote and overdramatic and melodramatic, and it just has sniffs in in like inserted every now and then because it's about a guy because this guy crying, and it's bad. We know it's bad, but the Deadpool has to say, "Hey, great acting, dude! This is quality acting, Oscar-winning sniffs right there, brother." and then he murders a man. Was that was okay.
1: That was I, I, that was the uh, joke. A funnier uh, thing to me would be he gets so into the rote bad dialogue that he starts playing out the scene in his own head like he's part of it.
0: Yeah, totally. Just like as like then as then he, he is going the, to as he's going to kill this guy, guy. guy, like as he's going to kill this guy, he just starts acting like he is in the movie and like when he when he finally goes to kill him he just starts like, I'm sorry, brother. Just like acting it out. But no, it's just, hey, this dialogue is bad. Murder.
1: Yeah, or if like the reason he murdered the guy was because he came out of the movie and was acting out the way he thought certain scenes would go. And then the another moviegoer said, You know, that makes it make less sense, right? And then he's just like... And then just blap. Yeah.
0: But nope. He is there on a job. Kills a guy. Comes out of an explosion, naked except the mask. Steals the dude's money and his motorcycle. Then heads to his office, which is in the back of a toy store in a mall. Because...
1: Okay, from the sounds of it, uh, a big problem with resetting Deadpool to zero at the end of a story arc is that um, you have no- You have to go back to basics with what you want to do with Deadpool. You like you can't build on emotions of a storyline. You can't build on interesting plot concepts. You just have to return to Deadpool, and he's funny. And from the sounds of it, it's not funny enough to do that.
0: No, which. It's a shame because, like, Scotty Young, uh, for those that don't know, Scotty Young is largely an artist. He started writing recently. Uh, He has a series right now currently going called I Hate Fairyland, which is great. I love I Hate Fairyland. And it is really funny. This is not even close to being as funny as that. It is... It is the most obvious jokes... Told in the most obvious way possible. And none of them are particularly funny. Like one thing that is weird. Like it, it, this gets a full page spread. This joke is Deadpool trying to sell the idea that underwear made out of stuffed animals is a fucking billion dollar idea. Like, like when he gets like, if he fucking walks back to his office or whatever, he is stark naked. Talks to a, talks to a security guard. Who I think his name is a reference to something. Let me just double check that. Make sure I'm not fucking speaking on my asshole with this. Gonna fucking get the thing up here. Where's that fucker's name? Who? Uh security his security guard. His name is Pender.
1: Oh, do Pender. Yeah. The guy from the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yes, Deadpool like walks to the mall, butt naked, talking to fucking talking to Pender, which is not the same guy. Like Pender in this is a big fat black man. Okay. Who's a security guard of a strip mall? Then then heads into his fucking toy star place, and then the next the next panel we see him. He has a bunch of pink stuffed animals around his dick and stuff, and. Nikasonic Sonic is like, what the fuck is that? It's like, oh, it's stuffies underwear. It's underwear made of stuffies. Next panel. These are really comfortable. And then last thing, like I said, a full page shot of Deadpool sitting at his desk, spinning the underwear around his finger, trying to pitch it to Shark Tank. Which I guess technically it's a joke. It's just not funny.
2: Nope.
0: Also, at the end of the thing, um, Deadpool is just sitting around fucking reading the newspaper and he decides he needs a new origin story and so he just starts stealing other people's origin stories. Like, there's a bit where he's like, where he gets fucking... Bombarded with gamma radiation and then becomes Deadpool. Or one where he's a nerdy kid in high school and then gets bitten by a spider and becomes Deadpool. And another one where he is Superman. But Deadpool. And then a Batman one. Except he's Joe Chill. And then that is apparently a storyline that's gonna be continuing.
2: I, I don't get it.
0: Also, there's there's a, there's a fucking end thing here that is just fucking, there's an end thing here that tries, that's like setting up Deadpool's role in the universe as a whole. And it's a big fucking celestial comes out in a space motorcycle from a space wormhole after Rocket Raccoon tries to cheat up Monopoly. So the Guardians called the fucking Avengers, which has She-Hulk just being She-Hulk. Not fucking horrible monster Hulk, just She-Hulk. Just all the fucking Avengers hanging out at a fucking Chinese restaurant. And they're like, hey, we, you know, we got I'm a good. fucking... So sl- I
1: have to read a Deadpool book to get actual She-Hulk?
0: Yeah, I know. Man, they're all just hanging out and then Star Lord's like, yes hey, so yeah, we got so yeah, we need a special weapon to kill him. Good news, it's on Earth. Bad news. Bad news. Cut to Deadpool. Just fuck, uh. man. This is bad. This is just like really, really bad.
2: Anyway. Ugh.
0: you go on I I feel like shit now.
1: Well you actually set me up nicely for my last book because um, yeah Avengers just seems to be getting worse. yay like okay some of the decisions related to She-Hulk I can blame on editorial and miscommunication with Aaron. But the stuff in the most recent issue, I gotta blame squarely on Aaron, because it's right. just purely the writing, and I don't, I don't think Aaron is sexist, but the biggest thing he in five issues that he's found for She Hulk to do is that when um, Thor and she and she get trapped on in niflheim and are freezing to death she hulk says hulk is warmest one there is starts generating gamma radiation and kisses him to transfer heat to the to thor to keep him alive wait what you heard me
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. Like, really stupid.
1: Because it's not just, like, annoying fan service. It's not how that works. Like, your stated reason for the fan service is not the way that thing would work. So it's just fan service and you're justifying it stupidly.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And okay, and this might just be a personal thing for me. Um, Jason Aaron has decided to explain the origins of the universe in the Marvel Universe on again. Earth. Yep. And guess what it me? Guess guess what po- movie plot he's pulling from?
0: Uh, two thousand one.
1: Prometheus. Oh fuck. Like, stop me if this sounds familiar. Um, a dead celestial crashes on Earth, and a mixture of its innards and black goo spreads over the over the 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 dead planet, and all life on Earth apparently came from this.
2: Hmm.
0: We already have an origin, like 12? Yeah. One of them from, like, two years ago? Yep. Yeah. One of them that was the cause of Secret Wars?
1: Yep.
2: Ah, oh, fuck me.
1: Yeah, so... Considering how much I like the writer and artist, this book is turning into an unmitigated
0: disaster. (laughs) Sounds the fuck like it.
1: And I'm really hoping Nico comes back at least once to talk about this book, because I want his opinion on this, since he's probably still reading it. And I just can't justify reading this to anybody. (laughs) This is awful. Yeah. It's just just getting worse. I don't get... Like, the rest of the... it wouldn't have bothered me, the Prometheus stuff is stupid, but it wouldn't have bothered me as much if I thought the character writing was fine. The only character that Aaron seems to like is, um, Robbie Reyes. Wow. Uh-huh. Because Robbie Reyes gets some of the better lines and some of the better, I don't get this pop culture joke thing, like when, uh, Tony calls him Racer X.
2: Okay.
1: I mean, I get why he made that reference, but... No, yeah, I do, too. It's just... uh, It's a lame dad joke.
2: uh Uh-huh. I... I keep forgetting how... I I I keep forgetting
0: how young... I keep forgetting how fucking young Reyes is, and how fucking young people don't look at shit.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, Reyes is, like, I think around our age...
1: I think he's a little younger than us, because I think he's, like, early 20s. Yeah, but, like, we... And I'm pushing 30.
0: There's not that much of a difference, but we still get Racer X.
1: Yeah, but also, Robbie Reyes has never struck me as a character that was, like, engaged in pop culture, so that's a little bit more forgivable.
0: His brother probably would be. Maybe. Like, his brother especially.
1: Maybe he's not into anime.
0: Tell me that fucking kid ain't an anime dude? Come on. I don't know. I've seen this fucking room or whatever. That kid is totally down for anime.
1: Yeah, so. If it weren't shitting on She She Hulk as much as it was, I would be more okay with this book just for its art and the general passable nature of the story. But you combine those elements with the fucking Prometheus-style storyline, and I'm just like, that's dumb. uh
2: uh-huh.
1: So, yeah, the, the, I don't think I'll be talking about this. I'll, I'll read to the end of this storyline and maybe talk about it one more time, but I don't think I want to stick with this book much longer unless they fix a few things.
2: Alrighty
0: all right, see so you go. All right, my final book um, is Sola or Isola. I'm I'm not not sure how to pronounce that. It's the newest book from Brendan Fletcher. You know,
2: Batgirl. Yeah.
0: But anyway, uh, yeah. So a uh, new book from Brendan Fletcher and uh, Carl kerschel I uh, believe the two of them worked on Gotham Academy together, uh, with Fletcher as a writer and and uh, as the artist. And they are teaming up again for a new image book. Um, both of them writing it with uh Hersch- with Kershaw also on art as along with um a guy named or a person named Missassic Miss Mass M S A S S Y K. I have no idea how to fucking pronounce that. But yeah, and it's a fantasy story. Uh, so it is about a it is about the uh, captain of a royal guard um transporting a tiger to some far off land, uh. But the tiger is actually the queen. But magic happened. Okay. So she's a tiger.
1: So, so like, Swan Princess, but more awesome?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll just say this straight at the bat. If anybody's going to pick up this book, it's because of the artwork. The artwork in this okay. is pretty incredible, I think. Let me see if I can find, like, a decent fucking panel. To show you what I mean by this, because... Yeah, Kershel is able to. Kershel is a fucking really great artist, and the colors also really help with this, too. Uh, The writing, there isn't a whole lot of actual dialogue here. And a lot of it is just. A lot of it is just kind of stating facts, because these characters aren't really. Like, like, these people aren't really friends or anything. It's just kind of a guard and the queen, and uh, every once in a while, sh- every once in a while, the guard will get fucking frustrated because all this horrible shit's happening, and I don't know what the fuck you're saying because you're a fucking tiger.
2: But yeah, let's see if I can. Okay, actually see.
1: The panels I'm seeing look pretty good, but i I don't think I'm getting any of the money shots, so I don't know what I'm looking at. Oh, it's the artist from Gotham Academy.
0: Yeah, I said that at the top of this.
1: Okay, I didn't hear that part cuz I too distracted by your bumbling attempt. Holy shit.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, dude, right?
1: Yeah. No, I was too distracted by your bumbling attempts to say the person's name. Yeah. But yeah, damn, I might if this is a mini series, I might have to pick this up just for the art.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's a mini series or not. I know that uh, there are There are currently four issues of it out, with the fifth one coming out in August. I think I've only read the first one, and... Yeah, if it was art alone, then I would be, like, super fucking down into this, but... I... There's also the story there, and I am not that big a fan of it. Mainly just because it's... The fantasy world doesn't seem that interesting to me, and... The character of the character of like the lady the, the royal guard that we're following. I don't find her particularly engaging. Uh the Queen Cat has done nothing to really portray herself as a character other than just be a
2: cat.
1: Yeah. Okay, so apparently M's uh M sasic is a pseudonym. It's like a shortening of her actual name, which is Michelle Asara Sakorn. Okay. So it's not it's a, it's not an actual name. It's not supposed to make sense. And actually the ty- the thing it's it's supposed to be read like M Sassy K because there's a period after the M and a period after the Y on her uh art page.
0: Okay, well, on the on the image site as well as on as well as on the as well as on the um as well as in the book, there isn't that. It's just written as a single name.
1: Yeah, maybe they thought that would look awkward. They really should have
0: put that in yeah but yeah if she does i believe colors on this
1: yeah uh she's listed on her own site as a concept artist illustrator and matte painter yeah and based on the images you showed me yeah i can see she would be a matte painter
0: (laughs) yeah well some of that's also kershal yeah like i I don't know how i do i don't i'm not really sure how much of um how much art duty is split between the two
2: Because it just says
0: one of
1: those things that you and I struggle with because we have to, we don't want to be overly mean or like ignore someone from the other book from the other side of things. But sometimes, without like listening to an interview or watching like a panel by panel layout of the book, we don't know who always to to assign uh, blame or praise to a book's art on.
0: Okay, so looking at this. Looking at the like official credit thing, um, well, the solicitation for the book uh, lists M. Sassy as the colorist. Like, like I guess this is like this is like artist Carl uh, Kerschl and M. Sassy K. But then the actual solicitation says featuring lush color work by M. Sassy K. and letters by Aditya Bidikar. I'm sorry, I probably butcher your name. But yeah, that in terms of, like, line work, that is all Fletcher, apparently. Those oh, are all Kershaw, not Fletcher. Fuck. Yeah, line work, all Kershaw, with colors by with colors by Sassy K, which, fuck it, that... Colorist is still an important job in comics, and this fucking looks great. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're interested in the artwork, um, do check it out. It's... This book, I feel like might might just be not for me because of my feelings about certain fantasy stuff. But if you're just looking for fucking artwork, this is a bastion of beautiful fucking panels. So yeah, uh, does it for what we're reading then? News time. So we normally, don't talk about this because at the, at the same week this podcast goes up, movies podcast goes up. So I don't really want to talk about you know comic movie stuff because I'm just talking about it over, there, over there too. But Comic-Con happened, and we got some trailers, and some of them we just feel like we should talk
2: about.
1: Yeah. Um, so, out of the way first, uh, the one good, quick um, DC trailer is, I actually think Shazam looks okay.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, like, when I, I first saw that trailer, and... Yeah, I actually am kind of looking forward to that movie. I... Like a lot of the cast, and I fucking love the character. Yeah, and this seems like, to be doing a good job with that. Yeah, like they're like like yeah, there's the usual stuff of the DC stuff, like oh, there's color and fucking comedy, like yeah, fucking whatever.
1: But like is that, they're doing the, Billy the Batson in. It, yeah, the thing that's selling me on it is that they're Zachary Levi is doing a good job of playing. Acting like a kid who was given an adult's body and superpowers. Yeah, totally. Like he's yeah, doing like, one, what one of the lines uh, sc- Tom Hanks did in big.
0: Yeah, one of the lines that kind of one of the lines that stands out to me was uh it's like it was like his little bro- like his foster brother asked him like, so what can you do? It was like, what do you I don't even know. I don't even know how to pee in this thing? Which I I just like that line. Sure. And, yeah, like, Levi, he does a really good job acting like a kid. I think the writing also does a really good job of, like, having him sound like a kid. Yeah. Like, him doing that stupid fucking backpack kid dance was...
1: Yeah, no, the training sequence was hilarious. And the scene where he's just shooting lightning into people's phones to charge them, and one of them blows up.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, We got a brief look of Mark Strong as Dr. Savannah. Yeah. Which...
1: I I didn't know that's who he was playing, but it, it... I mean, it's Mark Strong. He'll be fun yeah. to watch. I fucking love Mark Strong. He, he, he's been okay even in really bad movies, so...
0: Yeah. And also, just for anybody wondering, um, this is more New 52 Billy Batson than, like... But he's not as much of an asshole as yeah, New he's, 52 Billy he's, Batson. Yeah, he's still kind of a dick, but he's, like... He's still kind of a dick, but it makes sense that somebody would give him he's powers. He's a more
1: reasonable dick. He's not, like... He's not the Billy Batson from New Fifty Two or from like the de- from the Justice League War movie, where you're like, I want to kick this kid's ass myself.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, like he he is understandably kind of a dick because like foster system or whatever, but he's also still like a good kid. Yeah, because the thing that, the thing that kind of like in the trailer at least the thing that seems to lead to him getting the getting the Shazam powers is him standing up for his foster brother. Yeah. Which is something that New Two Billy Batson would never do.
1: Yeah, he'd probably wait for them to get finish beating him up and then take his launch money.
0: <sighs> no, like in the middle of beating him up, he'd steal his GoPro and just film it happening. Yeah. Well, as he stands up, um, we gotta see Jamon Hansu a bit as the wizard. Yeah. But yeah, I am Cautiously optimistic.
1: Yeah, like Okay, so we're going to talk about... I don't know about you, but I want to talk... There's three DC trails I want to talk about tonight. This is the only one that filled me with any optimism at all. Fair. Because... Okay, so moving on to the one that I just have nothing to say about, really. Uh, Aquaman. Aquaman. I mean, it, it looks more colorful and more fun to... I like how Black Manta looks. Yeah, Black Manta looks fucking rock solid. Uh, the design of Atlantis looks a hell of a lot better than it did in Justice League. <laughs> uh, yeah, because in Justice League, wasn't
0: it just like murky ruins?
1: Yeah, it was like a murky... It was like a shithole. Yeah, like, whereas in this,
0: it looks like something from Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets.
1: Yeah, or like a lot of people have been saying, Black Panther. Yeah, that too. Just Black Panther underwater. But uh, I, I still can't get behind Aquabro. I can't.
0: <laughs> no, and this entire movie seems to be built solely around the idea of aqua bro yeah like the one moment of the trailer that is kind of emblematic of that is so aqua bro and orm fight for you know the throne or whatever they get into their big fucking fight and then there's just this big fucking like, like wave of water that flies out across the crowd and they're
1: like <gasps> yeah
0: which was the most fucking wwe shit
1: yeah or the moment at the end where they pull the Power Rangers 95 and just jump out of a plane.
0: Yeah. Just redheads them, right? Yeah, right. yeah. And then just dives out, fucking. I, I half expected that fucking song to kick in. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a competently made movie that is so, I mean, built around James a character Wan I don't about... like.
1: I think the only the one movie that I've seen that it's not competently made is Final Destination 3. But,
0: <laughs> uh, I still kind of love that movie. Like, it's terrible, but I kind of love it. <laughs>
1: but it's not competently made.
0: No, just the, thing, the thing that I like about it the most is the fact that every single death is caused by the main characters.
1: Yeah. Well, that and the fact, it's like, it's a pinky in the brain movie, basically. But, um... <laughs>
0: Oh. They're just, just, just like that first fucking death, the only reason that his head gets crushed by those weights is because they came to tell him that his head was going to get crushed by weights.
1: Yeah, I know, I know.
0: It's like, oh hey, yeah, this dude's going to get a fucking fan in the back of his head and then their engine block goes into his head.
2: Yeah.
1: But it's generally that- speaking, James Wan has a good track record with movies so yeah, it might be more watchable than whoever they i don't know if they had intended how it was intended to look before justice league crashed and burned but um i just i can't get behind what their choices for aquaman so i might watch it later on dvd but i don't want to see yeah. it in theaters but the third dc trailer oh boy all right so let me get the obvious thing out of the way first. The line that sold this trailer, or they were trying to sell this trailer with, is you're just cringing because clearly it was it's, hilarious. Cut, it's it's trying to cut itself so much on the edge.
0: I, rem- I remember when I, when I heard that line, I just started laughing. Like, I, I couldn't hold it back or anything. I just started fucking cackling i think i
1: kind of half-heartedly chuckled because while i found it hilariously awful i was just kind of depressed at like this so instead of um so the two things that dc wants to sell their new streaming service on are season three of young justice and this
0: which kind of cancel each other out (laughs)
1: Yeah, because Young Justice looks so fucking
0: good. It looks fucking <laughs> incredible, and then this is so far in the opposite direction. Yeah, this is like Birds
1: of Prey TV series. If you ever saw that, you might—you're like, like, probably too young.
0: Yeah, probably. But like I, well, uh, we also didn't get it, it here in Canada, in to- really.
1: It came out in two thousand two on when it was still the WB. I was ten, but <laughs> I saw it and. Uh my Jimmy and I used to just when we were on the school bus, it's like do we care about this shit as all well? no, just boobs.
0: But like I, when I say the show looks bad, I don't just mean like it it looks like it's going to be bad. It just looks No, bad.
1: I know. It's like like I I'm stuck in the position of having to defend myself against people calling me a racist for saying I don't like the design for Starfire's costume or makeup or hairdo.
0: <laughs> no, like, everything about her, everything about, like, the design of her from costuming to makeup to hairstyling to the special effects they use for her.
1: Yeah, where, like, they thought, oh, she's called Starfire. That means she should just shoot fire out of her hands, right?
0: Yeah, that, that's that's what Starfire does, right? She just, like, am- immolates people. Which, no. Like, her being black has nothing to fucking do with it. Yeah, and you uh, could put the fucking you could you could put a person who was literally orange in there.
1: Yeah, like I like the black woman who played Domino in Deadpool. She was I fantastic. Not opposed to the race change if they play the character right or um a good character from a bad movie. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin in the 2003 Daredevil movie. That movie was shit, but he was good in it.
0: Oh yeah, I would love to see him as like a real Kingpin.
1: Yeah. Yeah, rest in peace, man. Love yeah. you. Uh, no, it just. It's sad that the fuck Batman, Dick Grayson, shooting everyone Robin technically looks the best, as far as I can tell.
2: Yeah, even kinda,
1: because. Even, even though it looks like he's like 10 years older than everyone else.
0: Yeah, like he is the closest to looking like a comic book counterpart. Raven looks like a fucking Hot Topic customer who found After Effects.
1: Raven looks like. Um. The way Raven looks in Justice League versus Teen Titans when she's not wearing her costume like her generic clothes.
0: Yeah, her fucking civvies.
1: But as far as I can tell, the, the, she never puts on her actual costume. The closest they get is they have like her shadow magic kind of simulate it briefly.
0: But her shadow magic looks uh, like dog shit.
1: Oh yeah, no, it looks awful. It looks like fucking The Ring... 17, how was it, 2000, 2001, it was like 16, 17 years ago, put this to shame. Yeah. I think even TV effects back then would probably would have put this to, like, fuck, um, I have to go back to praise David Goyer in comparison to something, the Blade TV series <laughs> looks better than this.
0: Yeah. Uh, Beast Boy. He's a K-pop star now. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. Like, he looked like a member of BTS. But just, like, covered in green powder paint.
1: Yeah. Which is weird, because, like... Yeah, I mean, TV shows are obviously not with the same budget as movies. But, generally speaking, Warner Brothers has been pretty good at putting enough money on the screen for their shows that they don't look like ass.
0: Yeah, fucking... Like... I will, shit on, I will shit on fucking anything about DC shows, but, like, The Flash has looked pretty good. Supergirl, outside of Red Tornado, has looked pretty good. The Legends of Tomorrow looked fucking great.
1: Yeah. And if you, I mean, say what you will about Arrow's stupid storylines, they can occasionally affect the tone that I think that they're trying to go for with Titans better than this. Yeah. This... This feels like this feels like if some if someone made a TV series just set to the soundtrack of Evanescence from 2003.
0: Yeah, and then there's fucking Hawk and Dove. We barely get to see them, and they look like shit. Dove looks
1: better than most of the characters in this, but still, yeah, it looks like shit.
0: Yeah, and also what so Hawk and Dove? I'm not super familiar with them, but from what I remember, uh. They're supposed to be, like, the avatars of war and peace or something?
1: Yeah, the premise is that the two characters are, pa- are like, paired sides of the, like, two... They always ran into trouble with this, because the idea was always that uh, Hawk was the violent uh, end-everything-now fighter type, and um, Dove was the uh, pacifistic... Um, more defensive and not seeking conflict type. But the problem they always ran into with that is that these are books with martial arts scenes and fight scenes. So you can't just have a kid. It's hard to have one character out of a whole bunch be the pacifist one, particularly when they have no powers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so it's a bit weird seeing that. And then the one like kind of in focus shot we get of dove is her slicing a dude's femoral artery in the back of his knee.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, by that point I'd already given up on this matching any of the characters after they had like everyone who complained, like this is, is this worse than Batman V Superman? Yes. (laughs) Like
0: Batman, like,
2: okay. Like
1: in the scene, in the scene where Batman like stabs people and like, uses uh, his grapple hook to throw a card at someone to kill them. He never flat out stabs someone in the shoulder and uses the gun to shoot other
0: people. <laughs> yeah, no, like, he doesn't fucking, he doesn't fucking, like, curb stomp somebody and break their neck. Yeah. Like, this is... This is, I feel like this is worse, like, content-wise.
1: Oh, sure. Just, just,
0: like, Ma- it- just Batman v Superman is worse just given the scale
2: of it.
1: Yeah, and, like, the effect it had on—I keep going back to the joke we made during the Justice League review that everyone in the Justice League universe was sad after that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just they all saw it. They're like,
0: just, oh, man. <laughs> just Fuck. This is my—God f- damn it. But, no, like, everyone else got sad. The people making Titans saw that and were like, no, man, we can do better.
1: Yeah, they're like, finally, my evanescent soundtrack can serve me well.
0: <laughs> no man, they're beyond Evanescence. They've transcended. They don't. They don't have to have fucking straight races cut themselves anymore. They can. Ju- they can just fucking hold their arms and cuts appear. Ah, uh, and like set-wise too. This is.
1: I can't even tell what the sets are. It's so, like, okay, this is another thing that uh, superhero movies don't look like anymore. Nothing looks this blue.
0: No, no, it doesn't. It, it does not.
1: Like, during the day, during the night, doesn't regardless. Even the X-Men movies from that period didn't look this blue.
0: Nah, because they, they knew that when the sun came up, things got brighter. The people making the show are so fucking deep in their pain hole that the sun is just nothing to them. Yeah. Yeah, it was astounding. Yeah. Like, I...
1: Okay, so Greg Berlanti's writing this. Okay. (laughs) There's like 12 different writers.
0: Of course there there fucking is. Yeah, it's it's a 6 show. episode television show. What did you expect? 6 like yeah. 1 to 6 writers?
1: Yeah, and they're going it looks like they're going to have a different director for every episode also.
0: Fucking yeah, I mean okay, whatever. That's television.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh god,
1: they weren't kidding. <laughs> the other primary creator besides Jeff Johns is Akiva Goldsman.
2: Oh fuck. <laughs> god damn it.
1: But, oh my god. guess who else is writing who's who's writing an episode
0: dead man who's that Rob Liefel fuck me (laughs) this is just this is just like a a laundry
1: list of no (laughs) this is this, what are you th- this, doing, this- DC? Marv Wolfman is look. Marv Wolfman's involved in an episode of this. He must. He's gonna want to kill himself after this.
0: No, when they say Marv Wolfman's involved, they mean they tied Marv Wolfman down to a chair and made him watch an episode as he started screaming like Clockwork Orange.
2: Oh. Yeah, it's, it's fucking
0: Marv Wolfman, George Perez, and the people behind the like t- 2014 Titan series, all tied to a chair, Malcolm McDowell style, just screaming.
1: So yeah, all the cre- who still who who still hires Akiva Goldsman, <laughs> like particularly uh, the, the Warner Brothers after after Batman and Robin, I'm surprised Warner Brothers wants to ever work with him in DC ever again.
0: <laughs> uh, it it's a question that like that question could be levied at fucking like half the people working in Hollywood right now.
1: Yeah, but like when you when one of the most specific. Like franchise killing disasters is the result of like a specific writer and a specific director. Like what's his name? Um Joel Schumacher doesn't work that much anymore. Akiva Goldsman still seems to work everywhere.
0: <laughs> oh, Joel Schumacher he is I think he I think he currently is still working, he's doing fucking Lucifer.
1: Oh well that's about oh I was about to say that's about Dan, but I think that did get saved, I think.
0: Yeah, I got picked up by a fucking... No, wait. No, wait. Sorry. I'm confusing Schumacher with Jerry Bruckheimer.
1: Ah. Well, speaking of someone else who shouldn't be working anymore.
2: Yeah. (sighs) Anyway. Yeah.
1: So, I, I mean, yeah, the trailer's a shit show. It... It, it it was a laughable if it, weren't, nightmare. if it if it weren't for um if it weren't for the fact that it was on an exclusive streaming service, this might be X and Y, X and y levels of bad. But I don't know.
0: I mean we still could. <laughs> we'll wait for will for all of it to come out and then we'll see.
1: Yeah. Maybe maybe it'll turn itself around.
0: No,
2: <laughs>
0: it can't. I mean, like it literally All right, can't. So there's, so
1: there's one more deli- actual. It it it. it I want to call this a comic book thing because it feels like it wants to mimic a comic book thing. Talk about glass. Yeah.
0: Okay, we'll briefly mention glass because it is comic book. Because it is comic book adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, glass, it is the. It is the third installment I guess in the M Night Shyamalan the, superhero universe.
1: Yeah, in the totally well-planned trilogy.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, it is uh, it is Bruce Willis's character from Unbreakable whose name is Casey, I think his name's David something.
1: Uh, I should ask Rowan, he's always rewatching it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's that guy, Mr. Glass and then Split three of them in an insane asylum.
1: Yeah. Discussing whether or not superheroes actually exist.
0: Because yeah, we haven't had that, but
1: yeah, it's his name is David Dunn.
0: Yeah. David Dunn. And I was confused because I didn't think Mr. Glass actually had powers.
1: I don't think he does either.
0: I guess, but like was- the implication is that his power is that the fact that he is smart is his power.
1: I guess. I mean, whenever you have super geniuses who that's their superpower, I always get confused as to whether or not that means they actually have a superpower or they they're just super smart. Yeah, and, like
0: like there are there are some people out there like, who do have there's some people there's some like characters out there that do have like fucking super intelligence as their power, but then there are also those who are just listed as like yeah he's just really fucking smart like he's just a natural really yeah. smart person not enhanced in any way, which
1: yeah, but like. But, like, we already have a character in this movie whose superpower is that um, one of his personalities makes him immune to bullets. Yeah. So I'm not questioning anything in this.
0: Did you ever see Split? Um, I saw about half of it.
1: Uh, Okay, for those who care, I wrote a review of this for the site a couple years ago when it came out. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I think I think he gave it like a middling score, like I think like a
2: three or yeah, something.
1: Yeah, it was like a, I think it was like a three out of five. Uh, it's better than anything Shyamalan had done before that since Unbreakable, but again, not a high bar to clear. And there was kind of this gross sleaziness to the whole thing that kind of upset me and they're bringing back the character that a lot of the gross sleaziness happened to, even though her presence in the story makes no sense at this point. Um, and, cause her whole thing was, she was the voice of reason because her father was a rapist serial killer and she killed him. <laughs> and, and that literally made her a final girl in the plot of split. Yeah. And also, this is another thing, um, tell me if I'm wrong about that based on the plot, but it seems like part of it is fighting for the soul of James McAvoy's character. Like, Glass is trying to make him more evil, Dunn's trying to make him more a normal guy.
0: Kind of. Uh, from what I remember the trailer, um... If you want to remember the trailer, like, he seems, like, largely detached from things as most of his personalities, unless the beast comes out. Yeah. And a lot of it is just, like, Glash just saying, like, yo, come on, man, bring the beast, let's show the beast, let's just, like, do this. And then Dunn is there looking really tired.
2: Yeah. It's like, man. how much are we being paid for this again? Uh.
1: Yeah. And I'm sorry, I have a hard, spoilers for the movie, Dead Man, but... um. I have a hard time feeling sympathy for a character who ate uh, a girl's liver straight from the gut eh, while she was still alive.
2: I'd... I don't know,
0: man. The whole fucking—I'm really not sure how to feel about this. Like, I—I liked Unbreakable.
1: I do too, but like, I—I I keep pointing this at, we're all and. Cora keeps saying, this is going to be great. This trailer hyped me up. Nothing about this trailer hyped me up, really.
0: Yeah, no, it just kind of... It, 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 it was. I saw it and I was like, all right, this looks kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, but like the, the problem I've had even with Shyamalan's good films is that he's, he hasn't learned a goddamn thing since Unbreakable. No. Nah. And the, the plot of this movie, you can't... Okay, so a lot of this feels like they're going to do similar stuff to what they did in Unbreakable in terms of like kind of discussing superheroes and the nature of like destiny and stuff like that but if that that can't be the whole plot. Yeah. Cuz like most of Unbreakable was carried by the emotional struggles of Bruce Willis's character in that movie. And Glaf uh, Samuel Jackson's character doesn't really have an arc in this, as far as I can tell, and there's no reason for Bruce Willis's character to have another arc because it would basically just be the same thing again. Yeah, like so,
0: like Bruce Willis, his like from what we see, from what we, like little bits we see in the trailer, he he just he is at he is at where he was at the end of fucking Unbreakable. Just I save people.
1: Yeah, like I'm fine with who I am.
0: Yeah, like I'm fucking cool.
1: So like if, it's if the it's entire really,
0: emotional it's, is it is it ironic that like that like the movie like the like the fucking movie that Shyamalan made as his own like weird fucking like riff or whatever on superheroes and comics or whatever is now following in, in lockstep lock with superhero comics
1: Yeah, well, and that's the thing some people have pointed out that I, I need to point out to core at some point. But a lot of what made um, Unbreakable interesting when it came out is that a lot of the tropes of superhero movies for the larger public weren't really all that well-established yet. Yeah. So if you don't have an emotional core to center the movie on, and based on this trailer, I don't see one, then you have to fall back on Shyamalan's plot machinations. <laughs> and his ability to write believable dialogue.
2: <laughs>
1: so I'm honestly just as convinced that this could be a disaster as like the return of Shyamalan, but then a lot of people like split more than I did. So yeah, I kind of wish Cora was here to talk about this, but because Cora wants to watch split now in preparation for the movie. And I'm like, I, I'll watch it with you to see if I miss something, but that's probably just going to make the movie drop in my estimation. Cause like another thing that I saw in the trailers that annoyed me about split is that God damn it. For some reason it's worse. And I think it seems to be getting worse. Shyamalan cannot stop people just staring straight to camera and talking.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's starting to become one of some, some like some part of his style.
2: Yeah, it just, just like slow obstruct. pans.
1: And when you see all his tricks, then they don't serve the purpose of the film anymore because he's they're just you're just seeing his tricks. Yeah. I,
0: hey, ho- man, I hope it's but hey good. man Cora wants to watch Split, and maybe we could do maybe, maybe we can make a feature out of that.
1: I'll mention it to him.
0: I, I Yeah, I know. it. I say that half-jokingly.
2: Yeah.
0: Anyway, on to regular comic news. So, the Fantastic Fours come back.
1: Sometime in August, right?
0: October. Apparently, they've been gone for three years.
1: I think that's actually accurate. Because wasn't, um, Secret Wars in 2015?
0: I don't know. Time is meaningless to me. Okay. Like, seriously, Secret Wars feels like it happened last year.
1: Oh, I know that's not true, but, um,. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll read it an issue or two because I know as much as I hate Reed Richards, I keep hoping that the dynamic of a family of superheroes will be done well in comics again, mm-hmm. and I, I need to get it somewhere because I'm not getting it from the X-Men. Okay,
0: <laughs> okay. so here's a weird thing. So, title of this article, Marvel Universe Looks the Fantastic Four Home in October the article says the Fantastic Four are coming back next month
1: yeah that's see that's the weird thing to me because like I was at a comic shop recently and I was reading some Marvel book and there was a a, uh, a a solicitation for issue one of Fantastic Four and it said August 2018
0: yeah and then this and then the solicitation they have linked to this article is for Fantastic Four number three
1: ah uh. So okay. who the fuck knows?
0: Anyway, there's gonna be That's a brand. Confusing. There's gonna be a brand new Fantastic Four series uh, coming in either August or Soon. October. Soon. Yeah. Uh, written by Dan Slott with art by Sarah Pacelli.
1: The art doesn't look bad from what I've seen.
0: But yeah, it's Sarah Pacelli. Yeah. She's a great artist. And hey, Dan Slott's writing something that isn't Spider-Man.
1: <laughs> Maybe he'll get his <laughs> fun back.
0: Shh. Or like. Just picture this, if you will. The series series gets 10 issues in. And then switches over to Future Foundation featuring (laughs) Spider-Man. Just bring that concept back. To be fair, that wasn't a bad concept. No, it was not. Just imagine. He'd leave Spider-Man to write a different book and then inject Spider-Man into it.
1: But granted, uh, that's another author that's been kind of screwed over by Marvel who created that concept for them, Matt Fraction.
0: Yeah, what happened to him, man? I haven't seen him in a while.
1: Uh, I think he's just working on um, what's that book for? Uh, image. Uh, Sex criminals? criminals. I think that's all he's working on. I'd have to check his IMDb page.
2: Yeah. Anyway,
0: uh, yeah. So this is coming up. Um, apparently, apparently, while the while the book will be starting out with issue one in August. I should read this article now. It seems like the actual fucking reunion of all the Fantastic Four people is coming in issue three. Because, yeah, that makes sense. You bring in Fantastic Four, have a book called Fantastic Four, and in don't introduce Fantastic yeah. Four until the third issue.
1: Okay. To be fair, they did this once before uh, when they actually had like a mini series to bring back the Fantastic Four after a hiatus in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Where they had like one, two, three, four on the four issues, but um, there was one big thing helping that miniseries. Uh, it was written by Grant Morrison.
0: Yeah, that's that's a that's a bit of a help. It's a bit of a get,
1: and it involved it at least it partially involved Namor drowning Johnny Storm.
0: Nice. Yeah, I. Could not give less of a fuck about the Fantastic Four, and the idea of Reed Richards coming back to have a tangible effect on the world terrifies me.
1: Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe where he went is the reason the Marvel Universe has been sucking the last few years. Well,
0: it has, because he became God. Like, for those who don't remember, Secret Wars ended with Reed Richards getting the power of the fucking pregenitor race that made all of existence... And so then he spent his time hanging out in the hanging out outside of the multiverse with his wife and kids making reality. So that yeah. is Yeah, so I don't know what's happening with this um I would pay good money I would I would sincerely buy this book if it came back and it was and it was fucking Sue, Valeria and Richard, or wh- fuck what's his name fucking is the kid Franklin,
1: Franklin yeah Franklin Richards
0: yeah Franklin Richards I got his I got his last name and first name confused but yeah if it just came back and it was just fucking Sue Valeria and Franklin just carrying Reed's head in a pike so we got sick of living in this fucking bullshit world so we killed him and came back. Just I know that won't happen because it's A, too stupid, and B, too interesting. But still, I'd like that. It would make me feel better. Moving on. Uh, so Ted Adams, uh, one of the co-founders and long time, the CEO of IDW Publishing, has decided to step down from his role Uh as as CEO of IDW, this is more business news than actual like comic content news, but still, uh, Adams will be taking a short sabbatical from the company, but then coming back to do a to have a more creative role at the company itself. So yeah, there's that. Top piece of news. Really stupid. Marvel Zombies is coming back. Sure, why not? We're getting a rebooted franchise.
1: Well, at this point, you might as well, because the continuity of that series is so fucked. Who knows? Didn't, Didn't one of the last series involve tying together, like, the Marvel Apes universe with the Marvel Zombies?
0: Who the fuck knows? Anyway... Yeah, so this is uh, coming out. We're we'll going to be in a new series in October. Uh, written by W. Maxwell Prince. Uh, and apparently an eisner nominated writer. And he'll be teaming up with uh, writer Stefano Raphael. To fucking make this book. That's all I really got. Just fucking... Do you care about the zombies at all? Not really, no. Yeah, neither do I.
1: I mean, it was fun occasionally, but it was just. Eh. They
0: overplayed their hand. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Like a lot. It was a
1: good joke for a couple of times, but.
2: Yeah. Anyway.
0: That's the video that's going to do for this week. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back. At some point, more of this shit. Feel that I'm dead. I'm birdie. We'll see you guys next time.